Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to When the Wind Blows, an epic podcast for parents, teachers, leaders, anyone vested in the world of education. I'm the host, Erin Barnes, and today's co-host is, hmm, how can I say this? So, Audrey, you are a bit of an inside joke in my house, just so you know, in the best possible of ways, okay? Like, (laughs) you look like a J. Crew model or... uh, (laughs) Like you should be like a gap model or something. And so I always tell my husband, um, because he's, he's always harassing me about this French tuck, right? Which is where you tuck the front into the the jeans. And he's like, Oh, it looks like you went to the bathroom and you forgot to, he's like, you need to leave me alone. He's like, your J crew model may have done it, but it doesn't mean it's right. Anyway, because (laughs) sorry, (laughs) this has gone totally different way than I thought it was going to, but, but you make like everything just look beautiful. I'm just letting you know. Well, thank you. Um, you are not the only Epic employee that, uh, identifies me with my main personality trait as being a front tuck. So, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That is so funny. Uh, so tell me, um, sorry, I'm just bouncing into things here. Um, Audrey, tell me who you are, like for real, not front tuck lady. Um, and then what is your role here at Epic? What are all the roles you've had here at Epic? All right. Well, I'm Audrey Bellani and, um, I do really love a front tuck. Uh, for the record, I think it makes any outfit look more put together, not less put together as your husband would argue, <laughs> but more put together. Um, and adds that little pop of style. Yeah. But besides a front tuck, I am, um, an elementary teacher, uh, by degree and by trade for most of my career. Um, I taught, fifth grade, mostly, and then fourth grade for about eight years before coming to Epic. Um, I'm in elementary school in Norman. I was an Epic teacher for four years, and then this is my fourth year in my current position as a teacher development specialist. So for the past four years, I've gotten to work with um, first and second year Epic teachers and just help them take um, their knowledge and expertise as a classroom teacher and help them figure out how to best use that as an epic teacher. Awesome. That is so awesome. Thank you. Uh, so I asked you, um, in a very sneaky way to tell me about some of the things that are most prevalent for teachers that you are coaching uh, over the last couple of years. And you gave me a couple and I was like, awesome, let's talk about one over a conversation while I record it here for the podcast. Uh, But you brought up motivation as being a huge one. Um, Shoot, I I know we're, we're talking mostly about students, but I'm thinking even for myself, gosh, motivation. Um, I just put off uh, a task that I was given until it was due at 11 o'clock today. And you want to know whenever I got to it? Nine o'clock this morning. Now, part of that is procrastination, but part of it, I just like, I couldn't motivate myself to do this task mm-hmm. and it's done and it's there and it's great. But, uh, Motivation is not just a student topic. You're right. Um, 
And as we talk about motivation today, I may be more as a do as I say, not as I do kind of example. Because, um, I believe I wrote every single college paper the night before, even the research papers um, where I would maybe go get the books or the articles that day. Oh my goodness. And read what I needed to read. Um, for the record, um, I think I got one B on one of those papers the whole time in college. Everything else was an A. So you're so, just a natural. Some people call it procrastination. I say I do my best work under pressure. There you go. There you go. I do think that there is a huge difference, though. I mean, you can have a motivation problem and still be ridiculously ambitious. And so um, I think that there are a lot of ambitious people that either just don't know where to start and so their motivation is like held back or they in classically don't know what's going to come from it, you know, um, which is that extrinsic motivating factor. Um, and just so we're here, um, everybody's heard of extrinsic motivation and intrinsic, uh, extrinsic. I'm going to give you something. If you X intrinsic, I'm going to feel this way because of X, but there were a couple more, um, that were identified. And I thought it was really interesting to see the, the, it, they both fall under intrinsic, but they are definitely def- different levels of motivation. There's introjected motivation, which is an internalized motivation. It's like intrinsic, but it's a form of motivation that results from feeling pressured to perform in order to gain appreciation. I definitely fit that bill of motivation from time to time. Uh, uh, yes, I, I want to be liked. I want to be appreciated. I want my boss to say, Aaron, that was a good job, you know? And so there's, there's interjected motivation, but also identified motivation, which is kind of in the same boat, but it's like, I've identified what I need to be motivated with. I'm not doing it yet. And, and I kind of relate that one to like quitting smoking. Uh, I don't know if you've ever smoked Audrey, but I was a smoker in, in high school and in college. And, um, Like I knew I needed to quit. I knew it caused lung cancer. I knew all of those things, but there was nothing that was going to make me feel good about it. So intrinsic, no, nobody was giving me a dollar for every cigarette. I didn't smoke. There was no extrinsic motivation. It was this identified motivation and I, I quit it and yay me, but that identified motivation, I definitely feel with certain tasks as well. Um, as they're listed here, can you relate to any of the four motivations or have an example? Of? Um, no, necessarily about an example, but reading the definition or listening to the definition as you read it of introjected motivation, um, in, in a lot of ways, I'm kind of like a recovering uh, type A personality, um, or in, it's I kind of compartmentalize the type A, and I am very type A in some aspects of my life, but also very laid back and easygoing in others. But I can just kind of think back on my childhood and uh, my teenage years. And I absolutely felt like a a pressure to perform or to be this shining example of what a daughter could be or a dancer could be or all the, you know, all the different aspects of my life. Um, So I definitely felt that a lot as I was growing up. And, And I mean, it continues into being an adult as well. Yeah. 
I had a kiddo and she was a, a kiddo for two years. I had her for um, seventh grade and eighth grade. And then she went on to uh, go back to her, her public you know, school up the street and every single morning, like I would say, Hey, you know, uh, I'm going to call her Jesse. Um, Hey Jesse, I really need you to get in. I really need you to do your schoolwork this week, you know, and I'd look at the end of the week and there was nothing. And I just thought, what am I going to do to motivate this kid? And it turned out for her, the motivation, and it may have been this introjected with a little bit of identified, like she knew it was there. She knew she needed to do it. But it took a phone call every morning. She worked um, in the evenings, and so she would get off work around um, 6 in the morning, which is insane uh, for a 14-year-old. And um, I know. And she would call me at 7 o'clock every morning. And at 7 o'clock every morning, guess what I told her? I would like you to do three lessons in English. I'd like you to do two lessons in math. And today you're doing a social studies and it, it rotated between social studies and science every single day. As long as I said those things, she got the work done. Yes. But if, if I missed a day of a phone call, she would not do it. And I just, uh, it was, it was interesting that that was what motivated her was just a discussion with me every day about, I mean, she, it's like she needed that, um, the task list written down so that she could cross it off. You know, Mm -hmm. why do you think it's so hard at times for our students or even for us to find motivation? I don't know. Um, I think that when you have freedom with something, um, when you're doing something in a way that um, you are not sitting in a classroom, sitting in front of your boss, you know, me as a virtual employee, not sitting in front of my boss all the time, or as our students, not sitting in a classroom with their teacher all the time, they know that they need to do these things. And a lot of times they want to do these things, right? But when you don't have um, and not necessarily like a taskmaster, but when you don't have that person that maybe you want to impress, they're with you all the time. Um, it's hard to, to get started sometimes. Wow. So our model literally has built in um, a uh, kind of a, a, a non-starter for those introjected, motivated people, mm-hmm. the people looking for that pat on the back or for, you know... Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking, how many kids do we have that we're studying? Like, they've already got a foot in the hole before they get started. It's definitely um, easier to procrastinate when you don't have that boss or that teacher or someone right there with you. You know, walking walking back by your desk and giving you that little pat on the back and saying, all right, get back on task or it's time to get started on this. Yes. So I, I follow the parent Facebook group a lot. I mean, I, ha- I am a parent of two Epic students, but also like, how can we help them more? How can we better serve them? How can we better communicate to them? So I'm, I'm always trying to figure out um, how to better help those people. And I'm just thinking, I know I was one of the kids that you're talking about. I, oh man, I was, I was, I felt like the dumb, dumb in school. Um, I definitely felt like I needed to prove myself more because I was this LD kid or, you know, I had dyslexia and didn't know it. Um, so I needed that pat on the back even more. What can we do as teachers 
to virtually pat that kid on the back. You know, I mean, we are, if they've already got their foot in the hole and they need that from us, what can you coach teachers or even parents who who are with these kiddos 80% of the time, um, what can they do to give that pat on the back or help their kiddo along? Well, as a teacher, I think that you can just send that midday text to the student that you know tends to be maybe a little less self-motivated um, or or might just need to hear from you more as a reminder, hey, I'm on your team. I see that you've logged in and been working in this subject. I'm so proud of you. Keep it up. I, you know, and like you talked about, um, your student that needed those reminders, keep it up. I, I would love to see you have finished this, this, and this by the end of the day, or sometimes just, or a phone call. Hey, I'm really proud of you. I see that you've been on working this morning. Keep it up. Let me, like, tell me about what you've learned so far. Um, what's your plan for the rest of the day? So just, um, you, I think you kind of have to give them that virtual pat on the back with a phone call or a text. And then with a, a parent, um, I have never schooled my children at home full time, but over the past uh, couple of years, um, I schooled my kids at home more than I ever did before. So right. I have seen, um, you know, firsthand the frustration as a parent. And when you are with them all the time and you have the mom role all the time, and then you're, you're, feel like you're playing the teacher role part of the time, a lot of times you tend to focus on the negative with your own kids. Um, and, it, and it's probably a lot more of um, the negative that's being pointed out in, instead of the positive, if you will. So maybe just reminding the parents that like that pat on the back when you walk by them can be really beneficial. So, hey, I love how you've, you know, really focused during this today. You told me a story and I want you to retell it about a kiddo because I'm thinking now, like, I know as a, like this whole conversation is playing out and as you're talking, I remember thinking, I just want the kids to accept me. Um, I think I was a hard, I was one of those EGRs, extra grace required kids. You know, I was a little busy. I, I know now that I had ADHD as a kid, didn't know that. Um, dyslexic, I was sent to the resource room. I was probably, I just needed a little extra grace from people. And so I remember thinking like, I just want them to accept me, my peers. And, and so how, before you tell the story, how do we help these kids who are needing peer approval? over the maybe parent or teacher approval as, as part of their motivation. That's hard in our model too. It's so hard. Because they're not in a room with kids their age every day. I think that you got to get creative there um, as an epic teacher and uh, make opportunities yeah. for your kids to be with their their students to be with their peers, even if it's just virtually. Well, we've got the the parent engagement group coming up with so many field trips now. I mean, that that might be one of those things where we get the kids, um, you know, that that positive peer pressure. But tell me the story because positive peer pressure was where I was headed. You had a story about a girl who graduated, and positive peer pressure played a role. Talk to me about this kid. Yes. So I had a high school student during um, the majority of my time as an epic teacher who was um, a very capable student, 
but not a very motivated student all of the time. She went through um, times of each each year that I had her where she would be mo- very motivated for a short period of time and you know, really get on a roll, getting all of her work done, um, doing what she needed to do. And I definitely made sure to praise her and encourage her and tell her how proud of her I was during those times. But she also went through equal parts of the time each year where she was not motivated at all. And she would ghost me and not come to meetings and, and wasn't working. And this definitely a couple of times ended up in a truancy situation where she had to be withdrawn from our school and then would re-enter when she was ready to work again. Which shows she wanted to be here. The re-entry process is like, I do want this. She did want to be here. I think that, um, I can't think of exactly what we we said earlier. Um, It was probably me talking about procrastinating to write papers. I think sometimes things seem so big. Yeah. It seems like so much. And for a student who has found themselves behind for whatever reason, for whatever circumstance in their life, it just seems like like a mountain that they have to try to climb or like a huge hole they have to try to, to climb their way out of or that they've dug themselves into. And even a, a student who wants to be here can, can feel maybe like it's a little bit helpless sometimes or I can't do it. Why try? Right. Why get started? It's too much. Your kid was already a year behind cohort uh, coming into here because of what she had done at previous school. Yes. So I already got her a year behind cohort. And so by um, by the, the end of my time with her, she was a year behind. And she realized that year, um, when it was technically her senior year with me, I would be a super senior if I was still at my former brick-and-mortar school. All of my friends would have graduated and all the kids that were juniors, I'd be, you know, a year below me, I'd be with them and in the halls with them every day, knowing I'm still in high school. And that to her, I think, was was what she needed. Um, it kind of sparked that intrinsic motivation. So at that point, um, we had a very serious conversation. We had had very, we had many serious conversations sure. during my time with her. But I just kind of said, if if you're ready, I'm ready and we're going to do this together and I'm going to give you a plan to get it done and we're going to take it one course at a time. We're going to do it in manageable bites. Um, I think that when students can can do things in what I like to call manageable bites, they build that success and that's more motivation. Once a student sees a credit, um, you know, watches a course disappear off their to-do list because they've earned that credit they feel that, all right, now on to the next one. I'm ready to do this again. And so she she worked, and she worked really hard, and she graduated um, that last year I had her, which was um, so exciting to see. And, you know, there were times that I, uh, during the years that I had her, where I wasn't sure if we were going to get there, but I was sure never going to give up, and I was sure never going to stop uh, working with her and, and fighting for her and supporting her. And um, she got there, and one of the biggest benefits, I think, of of that, or one of my favorite memories, um, she went to college, and she sent me a text um, after one of her first papers that she had to write in college after she turned it in, Um, and she texted me a picture of the paper, and she had made an A, 
and her professor had just written some really great comments about what a great writer she was and how impressed they were with the paper she had written. And um, it just meant a lot that she wanted to share that moment with me. You know, I think for her, that was her like, I did this <laughs> and look where I am now. I'm yeah. I'm doing it and it's happening. That's so awesome. I think, um, man, just, again, I'm thinking about my own kids now. uh, And and as we're kind of talking about this, I was thinking, how do I motivate one versus another? And one truly needs the stick. She needs the, you've got no cell phone until you get your school day done. And as soon as the school day is done, I honestly could care less how many screen hours you have, which is horrible. I know I'm a mom, um, but, but she's, you know, this, this almost 15 year old kid who's just like, ah, the other one would die if I were disappointed in her. And so her motivation is keeping me happy, which is that interjected. And I feel a little guilty about it, but I also know she's always going to get that work done because I say, I am so proud of you today. Like, I am just so proud of you today. Um, and, and that's all it takes for what, her. What if, um, what if you said, man, don't you feel so proud of yourself for getting that done? I need to. <laughs> change that every once in a while. <laughs> no, I, t- I totally do need to. Uh, and, and she's done so good all week. I'm taking her to Starbucks after this and she's, you know gonna be happy and that's I don't know she will work for Starbucks which <laughs> how many of us don't well I um you're like making bad mom jokes about screen time <laughs> over there I uh, my eight-year-old son loves Starbucks and I feel lousy because I just <laughs> I don't get a decaf. How much <laughs> caffeine? I mean, but that <laughs> she doesn't drink soda pop, and so like you know, once or once a week or every other week, it's not horrible. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, so let's just throw out some extrinsic motivators. Like let's just spitball. I'm thinking um, extrinsic motivator, Starbucks, right? And so if if a parent is listening at home and they're like, oh, extrinsic, I don't want to look that up Um, because it, I was, uh, gosh, I think I was going through um, uh, my junior year of undergrad before I knew what extrinsic was. But um, what are some extrinsic motivators that we could offer to kiddos? Mm-hmm. Starbucks. Well, obviously, any sort of a treat that they love, like an ice cream, or there, um, think there are things that are monetary. But um, for some kids, maybe just hey, I'm I'm going to spend the, the afternoon, and it's going to be like your afternoon. So you pick where we go. You pick what we do. Sometimes it. that could be like we're going to have a you day. You know. After you have, have shown the responsibility to stay on task and get all the work done. So sometimes it could be something that simple. Um, I think back to like being a classroom teacher and having things like a free homework pass, Ooh. which was like so exciting to a kid. Um, and I know epic teachers can do that in some ways, but I was like, if I was a parent, um, of an epic kid, maybe it might be a free chore pass. Or if you know there's a task that your kiddo does every day in your home or for you that's not their favorite, but they do it, maybe it's not a free homework pass they really love. Maybe it might be a 
free chore pass or a free making my bed pass. I like that. I'm thinking you did such a good job today. I'm going to clean the litter box instead of you. (laughs) (laughs) Or I, and I like where you were headed with the, um, you day. Uh, what if it was you choose dinner tonight? You know, I'm, I've got all these things that are on my menu options this week. You choose, are we doing cheeseburgers or are we doing pasta? You know, that's a great idea. Um, so let's think about, so intrinsic is going to be hard. The rest of these are going to be hard because they're very inside me. Mm-hmm. You know, can you think of ways to, um, to help a kid think about their own intrinsic or interjected or identified motivations? Um, this makes me think a little more in terms of our older students, yes, like our high school students who may be struggling to complete courses or who may be behind cohort or are struggling to, to stay on track. Um, I think those, those real life conversations, like what are you, what's your end goal? What's your goal? Um, what do you want to do with your life? Where do you imagine yourself, you know, in, in three or four years? And now let's look at that goal, that intrinsic goal, because that's something that you asked, you know, where do you want to be? What do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you know, just like where, where do you see yourself in a few years? And then taking, you know, the, the work that they're doing now, the schooling they're doing now, all right, if this is your internal motivation, let, let's come up with a plan for you to be able to do these things for you to get there in a few years. Well, and as for a teacher, that end goal. yeah, as a teacher or as a parent, then you can start tailoring curriculum and tailoring lesson ideas to that end goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, I've said on the podcast and for you listeners, uh, both of my daughters want or wanted to be doctors. Now, Jolene, my youngest still wants to be a plastic surgeon. Um, and I can't watch any more of her favorite talk- TikTok videos, but for- oh, yeah, I think I would be out on that too. <laughs> She's really like, mom, look at this. I lift. I don't really like, um, things that cut. Yeah. But for Tatum, um, you know, we had her in here having one of these hard conversations the other day. Um, she wants to do ECA. She wants next year. Um, she wanted to be an orthodontist. And so, you know, and that's been it for a while. I mean, she's wanted to be this orthodontist for a really long time. And I finally was like, you know, why orthodontics? I mean, you know, fine if you want to, but why? And it came down to money and that that was what was going to make her successful. And we had to have this uh, realistic conversation about all the different ways you could be successful. Cause Audrey, I mean, me getting to walk to the mailbox every day, holding my husband's hand at noon because I'm a remote employee. That is a definition of successful to me. I mean, the amount of family time I get to spend with my kiddos because of this school and how it's set me up for what I consider my success is huge. And so to the outside person looking in, like, I don't make a bunch of money. I'm not like some famous person, doctor, right? but, um, I get to school my children I get to do it as a living and, um, and I get to do fun things like this. Like I'm mm-hmm. successful. Yeah, I really kind of am. And so we, we had this conversation about 
what is successful and why does that make you successful? And guess what? She's, she's still thinking, I think I'm going to do that, but she's a little more open to what success is. And that's huge. Like find that motivator, but, but find the motivator to the motivator too, because money does not necessarily equal happiness. And we know that. Right. No, I agree with you. I, I, for me, yeah, for, I don't school my kids at home. They go to our, um, you know, our district brick and mortar. But for me, the fact that it gets to be me that goes and picks um, my son up every day. Yes. And so I have that relationship with the PE and music teachers that put him in the car and that, that, you know, that I've gotten to, to be a bit of a presence in his school and my daughter too um, and in that part of their life but then still come home and, you know, work a couple of hours later to, to finish up my work for the day and still be a good employee and a, feel like a good mom at the same time. Exactly. That to me is success. Girl, you're living the dream. I am. I'm living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Audrey, thank you so much for coming on here. Thank you for being my husband and I's fun little inside joke. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Sorry. No, but seriously, I will make sure that any time in the future we are at an in-person event, I do not disappoint anybody by not having a <laughs> Okay. We probably ruined the French tuck for everybody now, but um, thank you for coming on and thank you for suggesting this topic, especially right now. I mean, it's December. We're at the end of the first semester. Um, a lot of you already know my story, but like, I just... If I can keep somebody from dropping out, I'm going to, uh, this is, I mean, I, I dropped out, uh, in January of my senior year, just cause it was too big of an elephant to chew. It's too big, um, of an idea. And they wanted me to come back and be a super senior and do a couple more classes. And I, I quit. And I just think if I could keep anybody from quitting, um, I'm going to. And so this is such a timely conversation to have right now, uh, motivation. Do you have any last words to offer somebody who's sitting here kind of in the same boat? Uh, yeah. Well, I would offer um, high school Erin who felt like she couldn't climb the mountain that was that big right in front of her. So I, I would offer her manageable bites. I would say, this, this is, this isn't fun. It's not, you know, it's work. It's going to be hard work. And we've got some, you know, we've got some things now that we've got to get around these few more classes that we've got to get done, but we're going to do it together one class at a time. And, and I'm going to help you do it in a way that's going to be manageable and you're going to feel successful along the way. So, um, I think that, you know, we tailor education for kids at Epic. We also have to tailor motivation um, for kids at Epic. Um, as teachers, as parents, we have to tailor motivation for our own children. So um, keep trying different things, right? Find what works for them um, and don't give up. I guess that would be my advice. Thank you so much. Well, I'm going to leave it right there. Tune in next week where we are rethinking how leadership and education can better prepare the next generation for a rapidly evolving world.